We are grateful to God for how he's been helping us. And those of you online, you are very welcome. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for praying along and being a part of the service. I know that God is reaching you right where you are. You see, when the devil thought that he, he was afflicting the world, he didn't know that what he was doing was helping the church look at more creative ways of reaching a wider audience. Amen. Before this whole lockdown began, at the maximum, we, we get maybe 200 viewings or 200 reach on a Sunday to Sunday basis from what we used to do before March this year. But for the last few weeks, we have been having over a thousand people reached every Sunday. Let's give the Lord a big hand. <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, let me tell you something. The devil is not as clever as people think he is. In fact, he is so foolish. He's so foolish that if he knows his own foolishness, he would not even bother himself, especially against the people of God. When, Moses, when Joseph's brothers were selling him into slavery, they thought they were doing something that was going to cause their brother harm because they were so jealous of him. They didn't know that as they were plotting and struggling and planning every, everything they were doing was in line with the dream God has already given the man. So you hold your peace. What we are experiencing in the world today is not an accident of history. It's not something that has happened and God just suddenly saw that, oh no, something else is happening. God has his hand on everything and what will emerge from this will beat the imagination of human beings in Jesus' name because God will continually be glorified and so shall it be in Jesus' name. By the grace of God today, we are starting a brand new series called Prospered for Restful Increase. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Hallelujah. Before I show you the banner, I want to remind you that as a church, we have four vision objectives to raise with God and for God a people of what? Purity. A people of what? A people of what? And a people of? I know you can read it from my back, but then that is okay. Hallelujah. So we are called in that four vision. It doesn't mean that that is all we do, but that is our focus. And every year since this church began, we take time to teach in the light of these things among the many things we do. Round about May, June, you remember, we looked at the uniqueness of Christ to help us underpin our purity objective. And then June, July, we looked at empowered for restful increase to help us underpin our vision objective of a people of power. And then the last couple of months, which was uh, September and October, we looked at embracing ministry gifts for restful increase to help us underpin raising a people of purpose so that every one of us can find our purpose in God. And if you look at those series, particularly the last nine weeks, you will see that as a person, you should be able to have located certain things that God has put in your life as a virtue to embrace so that you can fulfill purpose in your life. So please go over these things. The, the next, all the series right now to the end of the year, we'll be looking at the vision objective of prosperity. That's why it is prospered for restful increase. And I can have my banner now. Thank you so much. And we will have nine sessions for the nine Sundays that take us right to, to the end of December. And uh, the first one there is what we are looking at today, prospered by obedience. Prospered by obedience. Hallelujah. These banners are to help you have a focus on each of the series. God gave me this wisdom. I was in a hotel, I think it was in Finland, very early 2015. 
And um, I just woke up and God said, from today, all, I, I just designed a banner for that Sunday service. And he said, from today, you will express all your messages in pictures like this to help keep focus. And since that day, since that Sunday, if you look back on all our publishing on, on Live Gate Outreach TV and on the uh, um, um, Buzzsprout audio channel, you will find that they have banners like this. It is a wisdom God gave to us as a ministry, and we're thankful to God for that. I'm not saying everybody has to do that. I'm only saying that that is what God has shown us to do, and we are grateful. Hallelujah. Now, we all know in this church that when we talk about biblical prosperity, we're talking about having a sufficiency in all things to be able to abound unto every good work. In this church, we don't talk about prosperity only as having money to just do something. Money is one of the things that is, you need a sufficiency of. But your spirit man needs a sufficiency of the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to be spiritual. Your soul needs an empowerment to be able to live emotionally balanced, intellectually sound, and having a control over your willpower. That is all prosperity. What is, the, what is the advantage, what is the benefit of a man who has so much money but has no control over his willpower? He falls at everything. He falters at everything. He gets angry at everything. That's not a prospered man. A prospered man has a balance, spirit, soul, and body. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. We read this scripture quite a lot, and I want us to quickly Read it again out loud. Everybody, let's go. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Somebody say, all sufficiency, all sufficiency. In, all in all things will give abundance, will give abundance. for every good work. So whatever that good work is, to do your business, to raise your family, to relate with your husband, to relate with your wife, to raise your children, is a good work. To be benevolent in the society is a good work. It's a good work. To be excellent at what you do is a good work. So this word prosperity means much more than the people of the world have taken it. And sadly... A lot of people have abused this word, especially in the church life. They have tended to make it look like it is something that means you have to just display some kind of affluence. And so some people have gone off on a tangent and have had to resort to manipulating people, collecting their money, and trying to be affluent. God never, raised, never sent a church to raise people who will just come and display affluence. That's nonsense. Anybody can display affluence. I've been to some nations of the world where they, they don't talk Jesus Christ one so one bit. But yes, they can display physical affluence so much. When you enter some hotels in some countries, you just wonder whether you are still in this art or you have actually gone to heaven. <laughs> because what, you, what you're experiencing there is, is near perfect. You know? And you'll be like, this is it, just out of the human mind. So Christians must not think that it is about material things. Material things are a subset of what it is, but we must understand that it is about having all sufficiency. Somebody say all sufficiency. Spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. In all things. 
and having abundance for every good work. So it is very important. So there are several scriptural provisions that help us to know how to experience this godly prosperity. We'll be looking at some of these in the course of the week. But in this very, and in the course of this series, actually, we will look at different aspects as we have seen on the banner. But in this first session, we'll be focusing on obedience. The Bible describes this virtue as the process of being compliant with an order, a law, or a request. Obedience is the process of being compliant with an order, a law, or a request. It also means to be submissive to an authority, especially a governing authority. For example, our nation, the prime minister came out yesterday, led his cabinet through a series of meetings, and then came out and made some pro pronouncements that the nation has to be subjected to from Thursday, this week. So everybody has to obey, because that becomes a pronouncement of a governing authority. And the Bible says we should respect such governing authorities. So it is important we understand. For the Christian, obedience to God and compliance with the word of God is a non-negotiable. We must understand that it is important for us to be a people who are truly prospered, spirit, soul, and body. We must be a people who are obedient to the word of God to the core. We know that Abraham was a man who exemplified obedience quite a lot, and we learn a lot from his life. Abraham, we didn't hear much about his life. It was very, you know, the Bible is very interesting. At times you see certain people, you don't hear anything about them, and then suddenly you start hearing about them. By the time we heard about Abraham, he was already 75 years old. <laughs> but then that is God for you. He was going with his father, who was called Terah. They were leaving their land. They were actually going to the land of promise, the land of Canaan, as God has commanded. But when Terah got along the way, he got complacent. He stayed where they were. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 11, verse 31, that as Terah took his son Abram and grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abraham's wife, they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans where they were to go to the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they dwelt there. So Terah, in, we didn't hear whether God spoke to Terah to go to the land, but he was actually on the way to the land. But we know clearly that God now came in and spoke to Abraham that he should leave the place. The Bible says in verse 32, so the days of Terah were 205 years old and Terah died right there in Haran. So Terah had died. Abraham, Lot, Sarai were all still living in the land of Haran. And Abraham would have continued living there because after all, that's what Papa did. Papa stayed there. Life was going on. So it is good. And this should let us know something. When we talk about being prospered by God out of obedience, we must understand how important it is. We must be ready to depart from the norm. And when I say depart from the norm, it doesn't mean that I'm saying that we should do something outside the word of God. But you see, you must not be confined by anything whatsoever. When you are somebody who will need to listen to God, you must learn how to listen to God so that what you are hearing from God is what you are able to comply with. This is very important. The Bible says, and so Abraham 
uh, Terah died there in uh, Haran, in verse 32. So, but because it was the intention of God to take them to the land of promise in the place called Canaan, God now came to Abram and spoke to him to depart out of that place so that he can go to the land. Now, we know very clearly, like we read in our Bible reading, we will go back to it very shortly, that Abraham obeyed God, and this is one of his biggest hallmarks, which we would like to study today. The writer of the Hebrew puts it this way. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. It says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out. Read the last line with me, please. Not knowing where he was going. Let's read it again. Not knowing where he was going. You see, this is very important because if you are going to obey God, one of the biggest virtues you must have is faith. Is faith. You don't always have to know where you are going as long as it is God that is speaking to you. The biggest problem is that we have him, but we want him to tell, him, tell us where we are going. And he said, I choose to when I want to. When God says go, your own duty is to do what? Just go. Just obey. Don't start saying, where am I going? Because you are asking too much. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All you need to do is to do what? Go. The Bible says, by faith. Put it back up again, please. Hebrews 11.8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, to go out to the place where his lot was going to change, to go out to a place where his family's destiny was going to change, to go out to the place where he will enjoy the total prosperity that was cut short in Haran. And he went out not knowing where he would go. Many young ladies, I want to say to you, if you are listening to the sound of my voice, and God is telling you or making you see that the person that is proposing to you is your husband. You have a nudge on your inside, but because what you are seeing today is not looking like the land you want to go, <laughs> you better humble yourself and follow that person because that is the person that will take you to your land of promise. Hallelujah. I'm not saying just go and marry anybody that pastor say they will get there. That's not what I'm saying. But if God is showing you as the person is speaking to you and God is letting you see on your inside that this person, this person is going somewhere. But you're saying, but Lord, I can't see it today because his life has nothing to show for it. Don't miss it. Abraham, called Abraham at that time, did not know where he was going, but yet he obeyed. So we need to look at some aspects of prosperity. We know that God prospered Abraham, but we need to look at some of the aspects of the prosperity of Abraham that he got through this obedience, and then we can learn from it. Those of you who are watching online and those who came later, Pastor Moses led us earlier on in reading our Bible reading today from Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 9. And we're going to be taking a few verses there. Take time to read for this series, please, today's series, topic of this series, read Genesis 12, Genesis 13. In fact, read it right up to Genesis 22. Abraham's story goes right up to 26, but for the focus of what we're doing today, Genesis 12, 13, and go right up to 
22 to see the full story of Abraham so that you can learn some more. The first aspect of Abraham's prosperity through obedience is that he believed in God and he acted promptly on God's instruction. He believed in God and he acted promptly on God's instruction. These two things are, are important to come together. You need to know how to believe in God and you need to know how to act promptly. The Bible said in Genesis 12 from verse 1, God came and spoke to him and said, get out of your country, from your family, from the house and to a land I will show you. And like we have heard, God blessed him. God, God uh, he obeyed. But look at verse 2. Verse 2. He said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. The promise was for something to happen in the future, but it was tied to an act of obedience, which had to be in the instruction. Go back to verse 1. The instruction was put in verse 1. Get out of your country. Get out of your country. Get out of your comfort zone. Get that additional qualification. Get that place. Go and read that thing. Go and study that thing. Get out of your country. Go and, go and make this, go and be part of this godly network of professionals. Get out of that thing. Go and read that book. Go and do that thing. Get out of your comfort zone. From your family and from your father's house to a land I will show you. We must believe God and we must be able to act promptly. Verse 4. The Bible says, and so Abraham did what? departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him and Abraham was what? 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And then his story began to unfold. Friends, I want you to understand that God is not a respecter of persons. And I don't know how old you are. I don't know how old you are. And maybe you keep thinking, oh, if only I was 25 years old, my life would be different. If only I was 30 years old. I know I believe in doing things as prompt and as the right time, but I want you to know that as if God could start with Abraham at 75, and you are not yet 75, I'm sure. <laughs> if you are, let me know after the service, please, so that we can, we can give you elder of elders. <laughs> Hallelujah. If God can start with Abraham at 75, then you are still a baby. You are still a baby. Hallelujah. I said the promises of God in your life will come to pass. Amen. They will surely come to pass. Amen. It is never too late with God. We are the ones who think that this God who created time now is controlled by time. <laughs> How can God who created time and put man in time can now be subject to time? It's impossible. He governs time. One day Joseph was lying down in a prison cell. And the next day, the dream that he had came to pass after 13 years of wondering how it was going to be. You and I must understand that what we need to do at every point is to believe God and to act promptly. Abraham's action of promptness is rooted in his belief system. When you believe God very strongly, you will be taking acts and actions that are godly in line with what God says to you. And then you become a person of the habit of those things that you believe God is saying to you. Many of us must realize that the reason why we doubt God, the reason why we don't take steps rather that we should take is because we doubt God. We may not say it with our mouth. 
We may not believe, we may not say that we don't believe, but it is your action that demonstrates that you believe. Abraham could have remained in Haran and said, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. All things are possible because I believe. And God would say, get out of Haran. Get out of Haran. That is what I want to see to show me that you believe. That's the latest release of that song. <laughs> he could have been singing that song like many believers. Lord, I believe. We sing it. I believe. I believe. And God say, I know you believe. Now move, move, move. Do what I'm asking you to do because obedience is what causes us to connect to what God is saying. You see, between where you hear God and the place of delivery of your prosperity, whatever it is, something for your spirit man, something for your soul, something for your physical prosperity, is a gap that only obedience will fill. As long as obedience is not in place, that gap will be there. The two are real. God spoke to you here. The promise is here. They are both real. They are both real. But it is in obeying that you will see that you move yourself from the place of the promise to the place of the fulfillment. Hallelujah. Many years ago, we were taught that Abraham was, uh, that Joseph was loud, loud mouth. That's why he told his dream, that he should not have shared his dream. No, he only obeyed God. God gave him a dream once. He gave him twice. He had to tell the people who were in the plan of God to sell him. If not, how will Joseph have gotten to Egypt? He had to say it because in God's own agenda and God's own plan, it was his brothers that would sell him off. If not, he would not have known his way. He didn't even know where Egypt was. He didn't know anything. He just saw himself on a throne. He said, brethren, I have a dream. I have a dream. The moment he said it, he put in place the machinery to get him to where it was going to be. Even though the devil out of his foolishness thought that he was doing him evil. So we must understand, when we believe and when we act, it doesn't mean we will start to see everything correctly. When Abraham moved out, he said, you said I will be blessed. Is it Eliezer, my son, uh, my, my servant? I don't understand. How will it be? How can I? I don't have a child. So he was not seeing physically everything. And God had to be assuring him, as you are moving in the line of instruction by obedience, God will be assuring you the more. I say God will be assuring you the more. In the mighty name of Jesus. So in Genesis chapter 15 verse 1, the Bible says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. Verse 6. And Abraham believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Very, very sound doctrine for us to learn. Abraham believed God and he accounted it to him for righteousness. In the New Testament, we are told that we have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Christ had not manifested, but one man's faith in the word that God spoke was accounted and imputed to him for righteousness. Every time you act in obedience, you are demonstrating the righteousness of God. Every time you act in obedience, you are demonstrating your faith and confidence in the integrity of God. And look at what God said to him in verse 7. Because he believed God, verse 7. And then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the earth of the Chaldeans. Not just out of Haran. Out of the earth of Chaldeans where you were. 
through Haran and have brought you to this land, to give you this land to do what? To inherit it. David said in Psalm 119 verse 60, he said, I made haste. <laughs> I did not delay to keep your commandments. I made haste. As God spoke, I moved. As God inspired, I moved. He said, I did not delay to keep your commandments. You see, every time we delay, we are, we are causing a, a blockage to what should happen. Every time we are arguing with God, we are by our own actions delaying our own promises from coming to pass. Think about it. Elijah gets to the widow of Zarephath. He said, give me food. The woman started by saying, I have only this meal left, and I want to eat it with my son, and we die. You see, all that time, whether it was five minutes or one hour, we don't know how long that conversation took place, but it was a delay. It was a delay. But as soon as she moved and served the man of God, his food, everything changed for her. The same thing with Elisha and the Shunammite woman. She was also a woman, a widow who was also suffering. Elijah said, go and bring a jar of oil. And as soon as she obeyed, you go through the entire scripture. We don't know how long those conversations took, but they brought delays to fulfillment of promise. Even Peter's boat that we talk about. Jesus said, cast your net to the right side. He started to delay. He said, we have toiled all night. We have caught nothing. Now, we read it in scripture. We don't know whether that conversation of argument took place for one minute or one hour. We don't know. But whatever long time, whatever time it, it was a delay. All Peter needed to do when Jesus said, cast your net to the right side. I used to do what? Cast it to the right side. He would have caught his fish immediately after Jesus spoke. What am I trying to say to you today, friends? While I believe that God can start us off at any time and there is no waste of time with God because he can always use time, he can always restore time, we do ourselves a world of favor by responding immediately God speaks to us. And I pray that this godly virtue will come upon us in Jesus' name. Friends, time is not, does not wait for anyone. Whatever God speaks to you, if you don't act promptly, you may find yourself missing out on many things that God wants to do in your life. The day God spoke to me about this building, I was traveling to Dubai on an official trip for my university. And the day God spoke to me, when that light over there, the pedestrian crossing went, went on red, right about 5 a.m., we were trying to catch a flight for 6.30 or something like that from Birmingham. And the taxi man that took me was speaking to me because he has been taking me on official trip for many years. He was one of those that work with the university. He's been taking me, this was 2012, he has been taking me since 2004, almost every year. We travel about two times. So we talk a lot. He will tell me the last time he picked me, who he picked back and all that, that, that. You know, cab drivers like to engage you that way. And so we used to talk. But that day, he kept on talking. And then the light stopped because nobody was there. Somebody had pressed the red button and they left by God's orchestration so that the car will stop so that I can hear God say, look to your left. Because I was seriously looking for a place of worship. Look to your left. That building is available. This is May 26th in the year 2013. And I stopped talking. The man kept on talking, telling me things, but I started hearing only God. When he said, look to your left, that building is available. 
And I was with a colleague. I did not want to ring my wife then because I wanted to discuss with my wife personally. As soon as we crossed security in Birmingham, I took myself to a place quietly. I called her. As if the way I had God is the way every pastor in town had had God. <laughs> Honestly. It was so real to me. It was like God spoke to 50 pastors at the same time. And it's like, whoever gets there first will get. Because the building was there. It says, to let and for sale, may let. I said, this kind of building here. And I've gone, I've gone to West Brom, Bilstein, everywhere looking for a place of worship. All around Warsaw here. Only Wolverhampton I didn't check because God did not lead me there. But you know what? I heard it so clearly, and as I, as I asked her to go, you have, many of you have heard this story before. The next day she came and spoke to the landlord until today. We are still reaping the miraculous intervention of God with that one simple instruction. You must learn how to obey God, how to hear God, believe God, and obey God. If you want to be a person who lives supernaturally, naturally, if you want to stand out of the crowd, if you don't want your life to be ordinary, listen, friends, you may be among colleagues and people who are equal with you in terms of social status, in quote. But if you hear God, your life will always be different. I say your life will always be different. Your outcomes will always be different. You will find yourself attaining supernatural things that ordinary men don't just attain naturally. I said to my wife, I said, go to the building, go to the landlord. I didn't know how much it would be, but because I heard very clearly, look to your left, that building is available. And then he began to show me that the word available means there will be the resources to take it and there will be the people to serve in it. May God continue to help us in Jesus' name. We must be people who act on instructions promptly, as the blessings of God are for those who obey him, not just for those who are willing. Isaiah 1.19 says, if you are willing and obedient... You will eat the good of the land if you are willing and obedient. Many believers are willing. How many believers are obedient? Many believers are very willing. We are very willing. It shows in our actions. It shows in our words. But how many of us are ready to be obedient? That's what connects you to the good of the land. Obedience is what connects you to the good of the land. About 22 years ago now, almost exactly 22 years ago, December, I think it was the 4th, 1998, I was flying from, I was still living in Nigeria then, just doing my thing, enjoying myself. I was 29 years old, flying the world, France, everywhere. I used to enjoy, I was really enjoying myself with my wife. We were just newly married about three years, four years that time, three years or so plus. And, um, you know, we, we were just enjoying life. And I was just going, I went to do a course for six weeks in Israel, the last time I've been so far. First and last time so far, I want to go again, lovely place. And I was flying back. I was invited by Redeemed Church to stop over in London to do a, a weekend program. I think that was the December 6th Sunday for them. So I was flying back KLM from Tel Aviv through Amsterdam to come into London and then return to Nigeria the Tuesday after. And on that flight, in the middle of the night, I was sleeping in economy class. You know when you sleep, if they are serving food, you are just... You, you are on your own. <laughs> God help you, you don't wake up in time. You'll miss your food. I know some airlines are a bit better now. But then those days, you can't, you, you, nobody will wake you up. Anyway, in my sleep, I was just, you know, I was tired. And I started sleeping. And as, as, as I was sleeping, in the middle of the night, I was hearing chicken or fish. Chicken or fish. 
chicken or fish. You know, you know that sound, those of you that. <laughs> it's very different in business class. God will help all of us to be. <laughs> Nobody comes and shouts chicken or fish to you. In <laughs> anyway, I was hearing chicken or fish, and I, I, I was still sleeping. But as I was sleeping, the sound was going faint, which meant she has gone past my row, and she's now very far away. And something woke me up that if you don't wake up now, you will not eat on this plane. So I woke up and I saw that truly she had gone, she had gone about five rows ahead of me. And just when I was about to call her to bring my food, I heard God say to me, I'm taking you out of your home country to minister my word in a unique way. I said, Lord, what has that got to do with the chicken or fish I want to eat now? <laughs> but I tell you that that phrase, that night, changed everything about my life to today. Everything. Everything. Because I was going on a trajectory, but that word redirected everything and accounts for part of why we are here today and why those of you that are online, by the grace of God, are hearing me. It was December the 4th, 1998. And I began to take steps of obedience. And as I obeyed, in believing God, in trusting God, I saw that he started to open doors of me understanding how it was going to be. What I'm trying to say, friends, is that you must be a person who believes God so much that when you are willing and obedient, he will take you to what he desires for you in the name of Jesus. The second thing is that Abraham was a man of the altar. He was a man of the altar, what we will call a man of consecration today. What was the first thing? He was a man who believed in God and did what? Acted promptly. But number two, he was a man of the altar. Genesis chapter 12, verse 7 and 8. The Bible says, Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants, I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who appeared to him. Right there. Right there. And in verse 8, the Bible says, And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there again, he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. You must be a person of the altar, which means you must be a person of prayer. Somebody say prayer. prayer. You must be a person of praise. Somebody say praise. praise. And you must be a person of worship. Somebody say worship. Of course, worship includes fellowship. It includes your single, singleness in worship and fellowshipping with the saints to worship. You must be a person of prayer, a person of praise. And because those three things deliver a, a relationship with God with you in unique ways. In the power tower, those of you that were here, you heard when Brother Yemi quoted 1 John 5, 14. He said, this is the confidence that we have in God. When we pray, when we pray, when we pray according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. Praise the Lord. So we must understand as a people that we need to pray. Jesus said, when you pray, say like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. What? Your will be done on earth. That means... Let it be that as I am praying to you now, I am releasing something of your will to be done in my life. Prayer is not these things we do. I'm just saying, let's go and bread it. 
I've done things. I've been around Christendom for long, and I've done some things that when I look back and I say, Lord, just have mercy on us. That's what we understood there. We go and say, brethren, let's bombard heaven now. <laughs> Who is bombarding heaven? He said, brethren, let's begin to bombard heaven. Who are you to be bombarding <laughs> But that's what we thought we were doing correctly. God saw our innocence. He knew that we just meant we wanted to pray strongly. So we don't bombard heaven. We just speak to God. And you don't need uh, King James English to speak to God. Please, you don't need King James English. You are speaking to me now, normally we say, let's pray. Then we say, let's pray. We say, Father, O thou art word. Yeah. <laughs> thou art the God. Ye go. <laughs> Just speak normal English. <laughs> if I speak your dialect, he understands it as well. Hallelujah. Those are the things we have taught over time. Make us more spiritual with prayer. She bless you, God. No, just speak. <laughs> Hallelujah. Just speak. Just speak. He hears you. The Bible says, when he next he says to you, he says, what? Just say, speak for your servant is. He didn't say, go there. When next he speaks to you, say, oh, God, speak now. He just says, tell him, speak for your servant is listening. Every time you go before God in prayer, he hears you. And in the place of prayer, you will hear him as well. I say you will hear him as well. It may not be the moment you are praying, but as soon as you are prayed up, your spiritual antenna is open. As you are walking, like I have given you my practical examples, I can go on and on about examples of how God spoke in diverse ways and changed things for me. But these are stories that you are familiar with, so I've, I've recounted them again. You will hear God. When you are in a place of praise, like we did on Friday, oh, what a praise night on Friday. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I heard about Holy Ghost rising for the first time. <laughs> that Holy Ghost rising was serious. We danced and danced. Brother Matthias danced. When life pictures came up, he said, I've even forgotten what I'm supposed to say. <laughs> I said, that is the work of Holy Ghost. <laughs> what a night, what a night, what a night. But you know, people have underplayed the place of praise. Go through the entire scripture. When the people of God praise God, something extraordinary happens. He comes down and does things that are unusual. Either this is the glory cloud of the temple dedication by, by Solomon, or is it Paul and Silas where chains were broken, or is it Sammy saying that God inhabits the praises of his people? When you praise God, you take yourself to another order. The Bible says we enter into his courts with what? With praise. We enter into the very petition zone with praise. So as Abraham was building altars, he was showing himself a person of prayer, a person of praise. Same thing with worship. Worship is what we express to God in terms of us telling him how much we love him and want to serve him. In praise, all we do is just to exalt him. We just exalt him and declare who he is. But in worship, we express to him our dependency on him. So be a person of prayer, a person of praise, and a person of worship. Because Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So if you want to be a person who is willing and obedient, you need God to walk in you. And if you want God to walk in you, 
you must be a person of prayer, a person of praise, and a person of worship. May God continue to help us in Jesus' name. The third aspect of Abraham that I would like to see, just the three things that I want to look at today, is that Abraham was sacrificial. Abraham was very sacrificial. We see many examples of Abraham showing his life of being a person of sacrifice. First one that we don't usually talk about is about, we know about Isaac and we'll talk about it briefly. But you know, Abraham, before Isaac was even born, Abraham sacrificed his life and his army for his, for his own nephew, Lot. He sacrificed them, especially after the way they left him originally was not the best way. These are some details we skip over at times in scripture. Genesis chapter 14. Lot had been captured, remember in Genesis 13, the servants of Lot, servants of Abraham, were unhappy, they were striving. Abraham said, there's no need for this to happen. Choose anywhere, you go there, I will go the other way with my own people. And Abraham left, and, and Lot left, and they went to the plains of Sodom. But a time came when some kings came and they raided everybody in that place and they carried Lot and his own family as well. Now, you would expect that on hearing such a news by Abraham, not for his servant, not for his nephew, just remembering what the servants did, would have, if he was not a God-fearing person, would have said, I don't care. I don't care. How many of us have heard something bad happen to people who wanted bad things to happen to us and we felt that we should still help them? Be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. The humanity inside you will, will first dance. It will dance. <laughs> the, the wickedness inside the human being will first rejoice. Like, hey, I told them. <laughs> Before you remember that you, are, you have Holy Ghost, you say, oh, Lord, help me. <laughs> oh, Lord, help me. I know you're all looking at me like you don't do that, but God have mercy on you. <laughs> it's natural in every human being. Nobody does not rejoice when you hear that the real enemy you have collapsed or something happened to them. But Abraham, the Bible says, when Abraham had his brother was taken captive, look at what he did. He armed his 300, his own, his own property, his own soldier, his own army, and 18, 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit of a man whose troops deserted him in a very bad way. That is sacrifice. That is a type of Jesus Christ still going after those who are horribly blaspheming his name today. That is a type of Jesus still looking out for those who have said that he is not the son of God. That is a type of him, and that is a type of who you and I must be. A person who is willing to sacrifice, even in the face of what should not be demanding of our sacrifice. Look at verse 15. He divided his forces. Verse 15. He divided his forces against them by night. Strategy. Somebody say strategy. And he and his servants attacked them and pursued them. He and his servants, he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is the north of Damascus, verse 16. So let's read verse 16 together. Everybody shout it out loud from wherever you are. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods as well as the women and the people. Somebody say prosperity. He brought back everything. 
God put it in there for details. The same way, the Bible says David went and recovered all after they attacked them in Ziklag. God will always vindicate those who are willing to be sacrificial. Every time you are willing to be sacrificial with your life, with your goods, with your resources, God will always make you bring back more things. I say you will always bring back more things in the name of Jesus. Now, I know that in business you should have trade secrets because that's the secret of every business's success. But you know something? The more you explain what you know to others, the more you know more. Many people don't know this. They say, I don't want people to know because, you know, I don't want them to steal my ideas. Do you know that the more you explain to others what you know, the more you know more? I've been trying to put something together. I wanted to write something. This is an academic piece of work. I wanted to write something, and it's been going all over the place. And I called a colleague and another one, and I said to them, you know what? Because I see what they are doing in their areas of work, and I know that we can leverage together. I said, let's put some ideas together, and let's work this thing out. And I released my innovation. But you see, the moment I started to talk about it, the clutter I had in my mind before, that I didn't know how it was all going to fit together, as I started to talk A and B, everything started to become clearer. Everything started to flow. And I found from there that, you know, many times, if we are not willing to be sacrificial, we will rob ourselves of increase. Abraham could have carried his own people and gone one way, but he could have lost Lot and Lot's servants and their goods forever. But now, he brought back all those things, brought back his brother, and basically everything, basically everything became his. You must understand this. Never let the life, we talked a little bit about this in Bonevolence, and we're repeating it again. Never let your life be devoid of outflow. Outflow, sacrificial outflow. When we talk about sacrifice, we talk about like what David said, far be it that I give to God something that costs me nothing. Make sure that you are always going out there looking for opportunities that will help you to live a sacrificial life. We know about his son very well. The only son he had, God said, now take your son. In Genesis 22, God said, take your son, your only son, and offer him unto me. And the Bible says he took him onto Mount Moriah. We know his story. He was about to give him unto, offer him unto the Lord. But in verse 15, the Bible says, Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because, look at that, because, read it for me, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son. Your only son. Not because I promised you. Not because you left Haran as good as all that was. But because you have done this thing. You have been willing to go this sacrificial mile. And you have not withheld your son. Your only son. Verse 17. He said, look at it. Blessing. Read it with me. Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sun which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall do what? Possess the gate of their enemies. Verse 18. And in your seed. Verse 18. Let's read together. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have 
obeyed my voice. Because you have obeyed my voice. He obeyed, he left Haran. That is test number one passed. He obeyed, he laid Isaac on the altar, ready to sacrifice. That is test number two. But the blessing became ratified on the altar of sacrifice. You and I must understand that to get your life to the next level at times. You know, when we talk about sacrifice, people always think about money, money. Money, of course, is a very essential element of it. But at times, you need to sacrifice your time. Look at a young couple. You have been married 10 years. Look at a young couple struggling the first two, three years of marriage, and they thought that something is wrong with them. Give them a ring. Invite them to your house. Say, nothing is wrong with you. Every couple has their time. Every couple has their moment. Learn. This is the principle A. This is principle B. When you follow it as with God's wisdom, you find yourself doing better. Sacrifice that time. Don't say, no, I will leave them. They will land the way I land. Very hard way. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. Be an encouragement to somebody. Hallelujah. He said, because you have obeyed my voice. Friends, you see, go back to verse 17 very quickly. I'm about to round this up now. But go back to verse 17. He said, blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply your descendants. Some of the sacrifices you are making today, you are not making it for yourself. How many more years do you have? If they add 100 to your years, now if you are still here, I wish you all the best. <laughs> How many more years do you have? You are making it for Jesus starting to come, your descendants. I said to my children, I said the things, when I came to this country, I came with one passport. All of you, now you are born in this country with two passports. That is already a blessing of multiplication. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That has already taken you further than me. I came to this country as a 31-year-old guy. Started all over again. All of you are starting life fresh. It's a different thing. The blessing I'm enjoying today by the grace of God in ministry, my grandfather, my grandfather, late Pa Thomas Babatunde, was one of those who planted many churches for that mission called Equa Mission in Lagos State, Nigeria, in the 40s, the 50s. He will use his own money to go and buy land. He told me this story in 1987. They took him to court many times. One time, they told him, where is your lawyer defending you? He said, I am getting the court myself. That's what he told me. He said, he told them, he told the judge. He said, I am, that, that is all the English he knew. He just spoke it there. He said, he told him, I am getting this court. <laughs> I said, Baba, is that what you say? He said, yes. He said, what? I said, what did they say? He said, they were just looking at him. <laughs> he fought for lands. Those of you that know Lagos suburbs, places like Ebute Meta, Shomolu, Bariga, all those places. If you see Equa Church today, go and ask the history. It is tied to power, Thomas Babatunde. So if I'm wearing suit in Warsaw, England today, somebody think, descendants, I'm a descendant, hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. This is how it is. I'm making my own sacrifices today. He made his own sacrifices there. My father made his own sacrifices. He's still alive. Still making his own sacrifices. Turned his house into a, a, a worship center. For many years, he will call people, young people, and putting into them. Every Thursday, he prays for them, teaches them the Bible. Young men and women, some of those people today, they are 70 years old. We are connected on Facebook. Some of them still write me and tell me, the, your father mentored me. When nobody believed in me, your father believed in me. He took me from being a mechanic. He told me to go to school. That was my own father. He will always empower people. 
The woman I married today, one of the reasons why I'm enjoying my life like this, the woman I married today, when I met her father, the first thing the man said to me is that I have nothing to collect from you. Your father blessed me in my time of need. My father-in-law. I'm sure you don't mind me saying that. <laughs> Hallelujah. When my father was sacrificing into the life of that young man, they're just about 12, 13 years apart, but my father studied very quickly, so he, was, he took a lot of responsibility in, in, in early life. When he gave him that money and he says, son, young man, go back to school. Don't stay in this village. Go back to school. Go and train in the army. He didn't know that he was paying dowry for his son's daughter. <laughs> Hallelujah. There is a project. No, that, the day I, told, I met her, May 7, 1992, May 10, I said, I want to marry you. She said, yes. <laughs> it's not because I'm so good. Sacrifice of many years has gone ahead. Hallelujah. God spoke to her and said, that is your husband. Whatever you make of it, you have heard from her many times. Don't close yourself in. Be a person of sacrifice. Be a person of sacrifice. There is something that will speak more. You see these young people all around us today? All these people that you are seeing, some of them playing now, sleeping. I always say this. You mark my words. Mark my words. The sacrifice we are making to acquire this place and to do those, they are coming to enjoy things. And then they will do much more. You see that building that, that God showed me first in Bilstein? What is that building called? Uh, Citadel, all of you, when you go to Bilsen, look for Citadel. That's the building first I saw that I said I want as a church. It's more than 20 times the size of this one. <laughs> Praise the Lord. One day, one day, this mission will acquire it. In the name of Jesus. But you see, it will be built on the sacrifices we are making today. Jesus starting to come. I want us to know that this is how it works. He said, in your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Let us not stop being sacrificial. It helps our life of obedience and it helps our prosperity. Jesus said something and I want to close on this in Luke chapter 6 verse 46. We're going to use this to break bread today as well. He said, why do you call me Lord and not do the things which I say? Why do you call me Lord? The reason you call me Lord is because it should be that you believe that I have the words of eternal life for you. Because that's what Jesus, that's what Paul, Peter said to, to Jesus. Jesus said, will you not go? When people left him in John chapter 6, he said, will you also not go away? Jesus, Peter said, where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have the instructions of life. So Jesus said, why do you call me Lord? And you don't do the things which I say. From today, may God baptize you with a fresh order of obedience. In the name of Jesus. In verse 47, he said, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. Let's read verse 48 together. Verse 48. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on a rock. Obedience keeps you founded on a rock. Hallelujah. You will not be afraid of evil when it comes. I say you will no longer be afraid of evil when it comes. In the name of Jesus. 
one of the rests I have and assurances I have by the grace and mercies of God and I'm not afraid of evil in ministries because I did not call myself into this. God called me. He gave me the assignment. I'm living in his obedience, so I am fortified by his mighty hand. Whatever God calls you to do, he called you to be a father in your home. You are fortified. I say you are fortified. He called you to be a mother in your home. You are fortified. Whatever God has called you to do secularly, the job he helped you to train, to become, don't let anybody make you afraid in it anymore. As you are believing the word of God, you remain fortified in it. In the name of Jesus. The storms of this life, go to verse 48, verse 49. The storms of this life will not be able to shake you and make you come to a ruin in the name of Jesus. The Bible says the man who heard and did nothing is like a man who built that house with a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently, and then it fell. It is only those who live in disobedience that should be afraid of the falling of their houses. When you are obeying God, and you are sacrificial with him, and you are a person of the altar, and you are a person of prompt action and total confidence in God, you are founded on a rock that cannot be shaken. The Bible says, they that put their trust in the Lord their God, they shall be like Mount Zion that cannot be shaken. God will establish you. I say he will establish you. As you obey him, you will find your life moving from glory to glory. In the name of Jesus. The, the, the spirit of disobedience is destroyed today. In the name of Jesus. Let's bow our heads and pray.